Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 253. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Excited to be back. We had a good interview this week, and uh, I don't know, some fun times are, are on the horizon, I feel. Yes, we had uh, our new friend that we met on Instagram that my sister actually kind of introduced us to. Nice. Her name is Kara. She runs a Instagram handle cart called Sharkutiski. Sharkutiski, that's right. Sharkutiski. I said it like 15 times, so I would pronounce it correctly. You know, charcuterie is, is a hard word as it is. And then you Shark- got to... It's got the twist, the ski twist the- on it. Which and then nice. like, where do you put the ski in? Right. So that, that's what we were talking about. Yes. You talked sure. about that during the, the interview. That was interesting. Yes. She was really fun. She's actually really inspiring too. She's a, uh, a fellow New Jersey skier who got the made, hell out. She escaped out into right. to Utah to park city. So it was a really fun interview. We think you'll enjoy it. So stay tuned. That'll be our main topic. And thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out skibumpodcast.com for all of our info go to your favorite podcasting apps rate subscribe you know what to do uh social media instagram twitter facebook untapped at skibumpodcast if you want to send us an email skibumpodcast at gmail.com we actually had some awesome emails this past week People were loving the Doug Fish interview. They were inspired. They were motivated. Uh, Huge like Indie Pass fans talking about the great experiences they had. It's just uh, a lot of love. And I think everyone is starting to get that that little twinkle in their eyes right now because summer is starting to wane and, you know, the days are getting a little shorter. And hell, Snowbird had snow last night. Colorado got a little snow. It's a beautiful thing. We're getting towards we're we're still mid August, but we're getting it's getting a little late, and uh, things are getting exciting. Thank you again for listening. A big shout out to our sponsor, Paradise Skis. They are awesome. They make seriously fun skis. Uh, Paradise Skis is all about making skiing as fun as possible. Whether that's shredding laps in Hawaiian shirts, bringing the parking lot apres, or getting up early for that huge backcountry objective. It's our mission to build skis and snowboards that allow our customers to enjoy every single day in the mountains. I don't know if you can see behind me. I'm going to try to point. I don't know. Oh my God. I have like, I don't know. It's all opposite. It's reversed. It's like, it's like reverse. So right here, you can see that's actually my pair of paradise red skis. Ah, there we go. That way. I'm kind of, if I can move, you can kind of see them better. Yeah, see there? The red ones back there? They're back there. there. See it. Still not mounted, as you can see also. Did you get the bindings? I do have the bindings on the floor right here. So, right. so they well, came I got it. I still have to do a photo shoot at the beach with them unbound. And then I'm gonna get the uh, bindings put on. And then I'm gonna try them out. And I'm gonna have a full review. We're gonna have Adam and Cam back on in September. We're gonna do a review. We're super excited to be working with them. Check them out, paradiseskis.com. They have two pairs of skis, the red, the blue. The red is for resort. The blue is for backcountry. They also have a split board, which is the green. Nice. They're they're great guys. They're uh, young entrepreneurs. They're based out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Go to their website, paradiseskis.com. Use the code SKIBUM15, 15% off. Now, one thing you will note, or maybe not, they're actually changing the website. Last time I checked, when you go on the site, I think you get Canadian dollars as a default. And you're like, wow, these skis are super expensive. But then you change it to USD and you're like, whoa, these are actually pretty affordable. They're not. And 15% bad. off. Boom. 
Can't go wrong. So thank you, Paradise Skis. And with that, let's kick it off. It's time for our prey today. I want you to start off. May I start off? uh, I think that's appropriate. So you know what? I, I don't even know myself anymore. Like, I don't even know myself anymore. I don't know if it's just, I'm just mentally, physically exhausted from all the bullshit of the last 18 months, the quarantine. Maybe it's being woke up in the morning by a little lunatic child every day. I don't know. The quarantine's get, getting everybody a little loopy. I have the most Brian 2021 drink ever for that right. today. <laughs> And I encountered this just this week. I don't know how long it's been out. Probably longer. But I just encountered it now. Does and it have watermelon in it? It does not have watermelon in it. You know what? So this time of year would be still the end holding on to that watermelon. Oh, dude. We, I just cracked. I just cut one up last night. And it, it's peak watermelon right now. Like peak it's, watermelon. Peak it's watermelon. peak watermelon. Like PW, so man. PW season. Glorious. It was absolutely glorious. Nice. And you're like. I was like knocking on the watermelon. Like I was like, I'm getting to, I don't know exactly what you're supposed to look for. I just know what I kind of, the vibe I get from the watermelon. Like I, I just, I've been hitting home. You got to do some crazy ritual that you could pass like on to your kids. And they'll be like, my dad was so messed up. Like you put like these weird marks on it. Get used to like doing some crazy markings. Like, no, it's not ready. Has to have a few more days. Well, like, well, those, the different veins you see on the outside, like one denotes a male and a female. All right. There's all kinds of different things about a watermelon. We don't, the average person doesn't think about, you but there's a lot of, you're getting to be a, a, a watermelon sommelier. A watermologist? A watermologist. Watermelier. Watermelier. I like that. Watermelon Watermelier. So this drink is not watermelon, which that would actually make it, that would be just, that that might be (laughs) too perfect. That that may be like you've just looked into a black hole. That's right. But I don't know if you know this exists. Kirkland makes hard seltzer. Nice. Costco makes a goddamn hard seltzer. Anything at Costco, Brian. Like if they started with hard seltzer, Brian would have been first on the bandwagon going like, this fucking hard seltzer is great. Costco is like, they're like, you know, they're a little behind. So they're always like, take a little bit longer to get the product. Well, they get somebody to make it for them, which is good. Well, yeah, of course. But they don't like, they're not going to be like the cutting edge. Like, oh, look, Costco invented some new thing. They're going to like Cronuts. That would have been great. Costco Cronuts. They they were the first ones to come out with that. That would have been perfect. Well, see, so where I live now, there's no Costco's with booze. So I had to actually like make a pilgrimage to go to a one that did have it. Uh, did you go all the way to Wayne? No, I went to Edison. Ooh. And mother of God. That's like a kick in the nuts, isn't it? Dude, it was a <laughs> Monday night and it was a zoo. Madhouse, right? A Monday night it was a zoo. Was it full and, COVID quarantine? Everybody getting toilet um, paper and there was booze and- eight people that didn't have masks on. And my family was four of those people. Like it was wow. just, it was, I thought losing. Costco was stopping you from going in if without a mask. <laughs> they're not stopping me, bro. <laughs> bro. Walking right. You're Look strolling right in. Look at me, bro. They're not fucking stopping me. All right. <laughs> Mango, Costco, Kirkland, hard seltzer. Like, you know, they say like you become your parents. Like there's that commercials. Yeah. Like, oh, I have become my parents. I just buy everything Costco and I'm like, oh, it's, you know, Costco sells it. So it's got to be good. Now, if they have a Costco oh. smooch, 
that you'd be right in the wheelhouse there. <laughs> Costco smooch. I've been thinking about that. My so my wife listened to that podcast. I think it was last week, and she just brought up the smooch, and I was like, "Damn it, I forgot about that." So I've been looking again for it. Well, I got to tell you, this smells way sweeter than it tastes. I mean, you smell it, and it's like putting your face in a mango. This is mango what flavor. All right. Mango flavor. So like, what other one does it taste like? Does it taste similar to like a Truly or a White Claw or a Mike's Heart or something? I've never had a Truly. And I've only had one White Claw, and that was like a maybe a year and a half ago. All right. This, it actually is very neutral flavor. Like it's very like seltzery. Mm. It's not Seltzer. overwhelming. It smells very mangoey, but it doesn't taste very mangoey. Well, it's good. That makes any sense at all. They didn't like overdo it with a lot of like syrup and, and flavor and crap. You know, 100 calories. Now, this is 12 ounces. This feels like a 16 ounce can. I don't know if they've got some sort of like extra dense bubbles. It's, like it's vodka Costco math. bubbles. Just like, just, just give us a Costco one that has a little extra. Costco, Matt. I mean, this, it, it feels heavy for a 12 ounce can. I mean, Damn. Maybe, maybe I have some sort of like. Is there lead in it? Is it trichotinamia in there? What's the thing from uh was the thing from Hot Tub Time Machine? Was it try try to Chernobyl? Yeah, but what was the 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 thing that was in it? It was uh trichotinamia or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget. But uh, I mean only two grams of sugar, you know, so it's not gonna, you know, sugar bomb you, hundred nice. calories. I mean, it's basically health food, let's be honest. <laughs> And dude, smooge is where it's at. It's it's smooge. Like if you combine this with a smooge, you could have the perfect seltzer because the smooge is just so much going on. Like it's <sighs> like a it's a smoothie. This is like super chill. So together, so because now you know what though? Like I'm not blending my seltzers. I'm not being that guy. Like we're not we're not going to that level. We're not blending our seltzers. I mean, I might as well just you know. I don't even know. Turn in the man card, like just I got what do you do when you start blending your seltzers? Like, what have you become? Dude, it's just like it's just like uh which, which is the the wine that they blend and it becomes really is it the burgundies or what is it? The um you know what I'm talking about? They blend the wines, they got this special guy that like does the the whole blending and I think a burgundy is a blend, right? It's like whatever's yeah, not selling the burgundies together. And they, but they have some burgundies that are like shitload expensive and they're like, oh, they got it just right. They're like almost like perfume mixers there. Huh? Not a Bordeaux, is it? I think it's the burgundies. I'm not sure. I don't know. There's there's much smarter wine people, I'm sure, that are that are just saying, what a dipshit. He has no idea what he's talking about. Because when I think burgundy, I think Carlo Rossi, because that's like what my dad used to drink. There that's, you go. You know, like the big jug of burgundy. He's like, boom, this is this is wine, my friends. <laughs> he's like why is that bottle so small it's like that this is a normal sized bottle of wine he's like no 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 this is a normal sized bottle of wine it's got a little hook a little handle for your for your fingers see there you go that's wine <laughs> so it's pretty good do they have other flavors that's what my question is of course they do it's a multi-flavor pack well do depending they- on how this podcast goes i got a black cherry Sitting right next to me in my cooler. Oh, see, that's my wife's wheelhouse right there. Black cherry. Yeah, but... man, the, it was a variety pack. So it was mango, right. black cherry, lime. What's the other one? Maybe grapefruit. I think grapefruit. Huh. 
All right. Yeah. I got a uh, a mix pack last week from one of our local breweries uh, from Funky Buddha, who makes some pretty good beers. Oh, Funky well, Buddha. Yeah, yeah. But every brewery I saw, um, Cigar City even has like everybody, every beer, local beer place is making their own seltzers too. You I guess there's to. a, yeah, you have to, to compete. So I actually got to. it last week and it was pretty good. But they, again, they also played around with the flavors. It wasn't just straight like black cherry and lime and what, they had something else in it. It was kind of cool. I mean, this is what it's going to become. It's like going to be normal craft brewing, then it's going to be craft, uh, you know, craft brewing seltzers, and then it's going to go to the next level. And there's going to be well, like IPA seltzers. A, ch- a black cherry and a lime and mixing it together, making your cherry lime. You put the lime in the coconut. Boom, coconut. Right? Yeah, a little coconut. You get a little uh, coconut juice in there. Yeah, this is... this. It's funny. There was an article that we might talk about on the Under the Ropes podcast about seltzers and how they're here to stay. And yes, I already put that in the outline. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> it's only going to get crazier. I mean, we're just scratching the surface of... Well, you know what I saw? I went... Self-sanity. So I was looking for, because the the Mike's, I think I talked about this before, the Mike's, I think it's the lemonade, Mike's Hard Lemonade Salt uh, Mango. Iced tea, it's, is that what it is? Oh, iced tea, but it's a mango. And that one's great. My wife gets that and she mixes it with um, club soda. And it's kind of nice, refreshing, low alcohol, low calorie, that whole thing. So getting those though it's hard so i will scour like if i'm near a liquor store i'm like let me just stop and see if they have any like and you'll find like one six pack and that's it and then you ask them in there they're like did you find everything that you want no you don't have a whole case for me to buy they're like really the hell's the mic so we went to total wine and uh she went in she asked them uh do you have any of this and they looked they're like oh no we just got some it's sold out in like two days like wow that's odd like you don't realize that your customers are buying that shit like crazy. Like, why wouldn't you order more of that? <laughs> you know, hey, it was man, just bizarre. Mike can only make so much. Yeah. But yeah. order more, order as much as you can because people are buying it. So, um, yeah. So that's one of the things we're always looking for is, uh, Mike's iced tea. Mike's iced tea. I don't know why, but we just do. It works. What about you, Mario? What do you got? So I'm cracking it open now. Crack-a-lacky. So this is Cigar City. Now, I've seen this before, and I, I just never got around to getting it, because for some reason, I don't know why, I just, maybe it's the can color. Yeah, you know, packaging has a great deal to do with, like, what you think something tastes like or is, right? So they have, Cigar City came out with this uh, beer, Florida Man. <laughs> And oh, it's awesome, awesome, right? Because they're in Florida, Florida company. And um, <laughs> this is a uh, this is a double IPA. Now they make one of my favorites, the um, highlight, uh, and that's an IPA, and that's like seven and a half percent. So I'm like, holy shit, this is a double. So I thought it would be about the same ABV and just kind of just kind of normal, right? Um, so this is like, I believe this is eight, eight and a half. Ooh, nice. So it's a, it's a, got a little kick to it. So because it's Florida, man, is there a little bit of like, uh, like bath salts in there or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had one the other day and it wasn't bad. And I was like, let me try it again on a podcast, of course. And when I had it the other day, 
my whole thing was you ever have like a, a triple, a triple or a quant, uh, what do they call them? The quints or the, the five, the, um, you know, they have the, the, the double, the triple and the quad and the, the quint, like when you start getting into the quads, mm-hmm. which are quad, I don't think they're, I guess they're quad IPAs. Like, I don't really know the whole thing of how they're created. That was the one our buddy John gave us, a, gave me a quad, the, the homebrew that he made. And it was like, I'm like, this is amazing. Like it tastes weird. It tasted right. almost like a brown ale or a red ale with like coating cough syrup in it. Yeah. So it's kind of like. But in a good way. Right. But when you start getting over, you, you start even hitting the triple. It tastes like a fermented, almost like a strong fortified wine. Like a barley wine-ish kind of thing or. Right. It has like a different like. You start to delve into like whiskey land in a way. Yeah, it starts turning into something you don't really think is like necessarily just a beer. Like it's not bubbly yeah. and hoppy. You know, it's not even in loses a little bit of the hops. It gets a little just like you taste that alcohol and you it starts getting a little more caramely kind of thing. Uh, so this is eight and a half, eight and a half percent. So it's boozy, but when you start going into the triples and the the quads and stuff like that, those things go up to like 10, 12. You're talking like the dogfish 120 kind of <laughs> yeah. realm where they don't really know how much alcohol. They just know there's a lot. It's like a range. Uh, it's like it's like 18 to like 9, 90 or something. Somewhere yeah. there. <laughs> so uh they have a funny, funny notes on uh on beer advocate they say the world needs heroes in our home state of florida only a special hero would do a hero with a shark tooth around his neck a grim reaper tattoo on his arm and a rap sheet longer than his mama's mustache <laughs> so, ouch so, yeah this double ipa mm, and it's a little cloudy see that looks nice yeah nice and cloudy a little on the sweeter side and i guess you know you start going those those doubles and it starts getting a little little sweeter a little bit boozy and as you as you drink a little bit more of it i think you get more of the booziness um but it's pretty i gotta say it's pretty nice even flavor you know it has like a little bit of a little bit of sweet sweet fruit flavor but not too sweet um i i get so some of the tasting notes people mention all these fruits in it but Somebody wrote down honeydew, and I'm like, I do get honeydew out of it. Reminds me of like a boozy honeydew. Boozy honeydew. Interesting. Pretty good. Better than I thought it would be. Let's go to ski news. Breaking out of jail. Summer is jail for skiers. Let's be honest. Breaking out of jail slash COVID slash summer. It's sweaty. It's like you're being molested by the weather every day. Like your cellmate would be molesting you. It's like, right? It's like, yeah, it's like waterboarding, but with hot, sweaty summer stuff. Summer is like a jail shower every day. You walk outside, you're like, I'm being violated right now. (laughs) Being violated right now by this. Yes, you did drop the soap. Always. (laughs) But guess what? Snowbird. It's snowing in Snowbird. Or it did snow. Again. You know, it's just a little, a little something, something, a little coverage. But you know what? Just seeing the date, August nineteenth, and seeing snow on the little snowbird um, ruler there 
is a beautiful thing. It's enough to make a snow angel, then it's worth it. Pretty much. It's a beautiful thing. When was the last time anybody, like, you made a snow angel? Been a while, probably, right? Yeah, this uh, this winter we've made a lot of them. I mean, again, I got, I got a three-year-old, you know. Well, that's like, good. We're, we're making snow angels. We're throwing snowballs at each other. Snowmen. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's like I say, as you get older, if you don't have kids, right, like, or your kids are grown up, like, you start thinking about when was the last time you touched grass, like, laid down on the grass or played played ball and jumped on the you know what i mean like dope just jumped just jumped jumped or was barefoot on a grass like people are in the city they're 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 too like you can't get your feet in grass like i like my feet in sand and grass like that whole thing every once in a while i like my feet in snow civilized to death that's what's happening to us we're being civilized to death that's right we're moving all of our natural instincts now we're like human veal. We sit at home. Yeah. I'm hooked up to a thing. I don't move. Like they cut me open. They're they're eating. They're eating large, dude. Let me tell you. So talking about like being like a kid again. This past weekend, I went with Benjamin to the the local high school, and we were like taking his scooter around the track, around the football nice. field. We found a soccer ball there. We started just like playing, like just kicking. Like when's the time you kicked a soccer ball into a goal? That's nice. Like we were like running after the ball. Like I was having so much fun. It was like recess again awesome. as a kid. I'm like, yeah. why don't we do this more often? It's like, well, you know, as an adult, you shouldn't be doing those kinds of like, go yeah. fuck yourself. You should be doing these things. You should be living. You should be having fun like, adventures. Lunchtime at work. You should be playing handball, kickball, running, <laughs> flying a kite, something. Dodgeball. Right? To see your Dodgeball. boss walking away with lunch is Boom, boom, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> she walked in play. She was a play. She was a play. out. You're out. <laughs> Phenomenal. That'd be great. Do it. Yeah. Any, anybody pisses you off at work, we're playing dodgeball tomorrow. Can we see your vaccine passport? Boom, boom. There's my vaccine passport. There it is. What in are you showing again? Boom. In my awesome. face. Ah. Well, speaking of impacts and pandemics and all that good stuff the mm. great article from our friend eric wilbur at uh, the new england ski journal what impact will the pandemic have on the 2021-22 skiing and riding season and topical right it is very topical and eric's a fantastic writer if you've never seen his stuff or never read his stuff we'll yeah. put the link in the show notes highly recommend he's got a great sense of humor great style of writing and, and what was he brings the thing up that he helped write <laughs> 30 days in a white haze or 30 boom 30 years in a white haze 30 years in a white haze other friend dan egan yes who i have nobody hasn't read it go out and get it i have not provided my book report yet which just shows what a slacker i am damn it i did read the book i read the whole book it is a long book but it is well that could be the next newsletter i will tell you though this is the cool thing about this book so it's a long book Go, it's like I think 30 years in a white haze.com is the site where you can get it or just search like Dan Egan book, Eric Wilbur book. You know what was nice about it? Because it's kind of a retrospect of, of Dan's life and a lot of aspects of it. But it, after like the kind of it, you go on the news, well, they have it on, on Amazon. Stuff. Yeah. You go on the news, you go on social media, and it's all like Biden this and Trump this and Afghanistan and COVID. And it's all just like stuff that's like, you know, like, attacking you attacking you attacking you i would i would turn off the tv i would turn off my phone and i would just read this book 
That's and awesome. I would I would go to sleep happy. I'd go to sleep excited. And I would look forward to reading it every night. And it, it, again, it's a long book. It took me a while to read it. Um, but it's great. Like, it's just the life he lived. And, you know, he just a life of adventure and, and challenges. And, you know, and, and like being challenged and like rising to the occasion and seeing what you're capable of and getting dealt a crappy hand. But again, tweaking and modifying and pivoting and make it work. <coughs> excuse me, to get you to a different place. Like it's, it's just, he lived like so many different lives and, but still being like, you know, one of the greatest skiers ever. Yeah. And and doing some pretty amazing stuff, like stuff that you would idolize, right? Oh, Dude, going to like Beirut in 1990, uh, going to the Berlin wall when it went down. I mean, they did crazy stuff, but they also had a vision of what they wanted it to be. They wanted it to be more than just, you know, dudes skiing. They wanted to have some sort of, you know, story, uh, what's topical. Where's we know their whole thing was, where is CNN going? Well, that's where we're going to go. So they'd go to these, these crazy. If he was in his twenties or thirties, they'd be looking at skiing Afghanistan this year. (sighs) Probably. Let's go in the mountains. Probably, yeah. Try to sneak in and fucking rip it up and then get the hell out. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they had a uh again, it's it's a fantastic book. I'm still due to do a book report. And we actually are gonna try to hope to get Dan and Eric back on together. That would be really fun to yeah. chat with them again. But so this is Eric's article, and he's talking about uh, you know, just trying to, you know, figure out because again, we hear Delta variants, we're seeing more masks indoors. What is this going to do? Like, how is this going to affect what the ski season is going to be like? Like, are people going to, because again, you, at this point, we still don't know, like, what's the reaction going to be? Are we going to overdo it based on last year? Are we going to be too lax? I mean, at this point, like I just, you really don't even know. Cause last year it felt like, okay, we locked everything down, but you know, we're moving towards the vaccine. We're moving towards things getting better. Now it's like, well, dude, what direction are we even going in? Like, are we getting better? Are we getting worse? Like, I think it's very confusing. I think we got a lot of bad information being passed off as good. And it's just fucked up right now. Well, I think we're getting a lot of propaganda, which exactly. is not flat out propaganda. Yeah, they're used for political purposes. There's a lot of politics in everything you see and read now. And this is a good article because it 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 poses that question of of what, right? It's not saying what it's gonna be, it's just wonder, you know, kind of kind of a soft-hearted thing. She's saying, like, you know, <laughs> what is it gonna be? Like, did did anybody think about where we're going? Right. Because a lot of times people don't think about where we're going and what's happening. And like you said you're tired of the TV. It's, it's, it's desensitizing. It's overstimulating. It's just, it's kind of horrible, you know, to, to sit and listen to the news all the time. You they want break you out to be bubble. scared. They want right. you to be scared because when you're scared, you will listen and you will obey. And if you listen and obey, they can manipulate and tweak what you do to do what they want you to do, to follow yeah. the protocol, to, you know, to uh, indoctrinate you in a way, because it's becoming, right religion this is our new religion oh, is politics hard. it's not christianity judaism islam anymore it's 
Are you vaccinated? Or are you unvaccinated? Are you left? Or are you right? Like it's, it's, it's control and domination and politics. That's all. And when you're saying. locked inside for 18 months and mm. you're not interacting with, you know, perhaps you have a very left wing days bias. in a hot haze. That's what I'm going to write. Yeah. 18 days in a hot rage. Think about it. If, you, if you're, if you're 18 months in a 18 locked months up, in a hot rage. 18 months, you're locked in your, your, your bubble. You find your little echo chamber. You start believing in your your own kind of bullshit that you're reading that maybe you're right maybe you're wrong but you're not having interactions with real life people that maybe have a different point of view that you can at least chat things out be like oh you know what maybe this is a kind of a cool point of view maybe i'm more of in the middle than i thought i was yeah it's all just like this is what i believe and you go down a rabbit hole and you just get more people agreeing with you and you kind of solidify your point instead of it kind of being a straw man that can be knocked down or tweaked. You, you steal manning your argument and maybe it's the wrong argument. And when you're not interacting with people like on a regular basis, you just, it's so much easier to just lock yourself into that point of view. And, but let me ask you this. I don't think as the enemy, we're not, we're not enemies, man. We're all just people trying to get through this fucking life together. Yeah. But you know, like the people, like I've heard, you know, the expression where people start talking about being in a bubble, right? I realize I'm in a bubble. I'm in my own little bubble, which leads into me being in a rut because you start going down these dark pathways of listening to this news and that news and doom and gloom. And like the world sucks, the environment's crumbling, like we're, you know, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. And it's, it's interesting to step back and it's hard for some people to do this, but I've just done this my whole life. Like I step back every once in a while. I'm like, holy shit, I'm thinking about stuff in a weird way. And is that the right way or the wrong way? Let me think about it. Like what, what really, you know, you let me center myself thinking? again. Exactly. You know, about yeah. yourself, introspection. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't do that. And you start thinking like, you know, am I following this bubble too much and this this way of thinking too much and this news media you know too much am i too in tune with my facebook account or my instagram you know and that's where you start thinking about like cutting yourself off like i i had i logged into facebook i think for the first time in like a year last week the only reason i did was because i was going to post something for sale that I'm getting jerked around on sure. people picking it up, you know, but that's the only reason I, I logged in. And it's like, I got on, I was like, Oh, it's cool to connect with a few people. And that lasted about a half a day. And then I was like, yeah, now I remember why I got off. I'm you deleting know? my account. Yeah. But it's nice to have that experience of, and, and go back to, okay, good. At least I'm getting back to center and understanding why I haven't been on there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, I think people need to challenge themselves and challenge their way of thinking and challenge what they believe in because it's good. It's healthy. You want to either reinforce the good or throw out the bad, you know? Yeah. And again, the, one of the most dangerous things is people getting stuck in those echo chambers where, you know, you kind of have this belief system and you just, you bounce it off of people who have the same belief system as you. Yeah. And then it kind of, again, it, it solidifies how correct it is. The more you hear it from the same people, you you hear the same, like, well, that's, that's absolutely right. You're, you're, we're right they're all wrong they're all stupid we're we're so much smarter 
Yeah. That's that kind of thinking is extremely dangerous because I think it's more dangerous now them. because we're not interacting with each other. Like you said, like now a lot of people are at home kind of away from the world. So you don't have that interaction. So what do you do? You reach out to your friends who are your friends, usually people that are, that are like minded thinkers. Yeah. Like-minded, you know, so it's kind of, yeah, it's great to feed on each other and, and, you know, and whatever, however you want to say it, collaborate and, and, you know, touch base, but it becomes an echo chamber, like you said, where you don't get any outside stimulus, you know, it's just, just remember governments and media distract, divide, deceive. (laughs) This is their whole MO all the time throughout history. Do not forget that because they're doing a brilliant job right now. Big D's right there. (laughs) <laughs> That's they're doing a brilliant job of that right now. Three Except for days. us, we want you to free your mind, to open your mind. Well, we're not. We're media, but we're not like we really. are media. We are. <laughs> listen, I've looked at my press credentials. It says media. Well, we here's media. Well, here's the difference between us and and a lot of these media outlets, the major networks. They we don't have enough advertising to be swayed by our advertisers, right? We We're cannot be swayed. Listen, if Paradise Keys, if Paradise Keys was like, "Hey, man, we love Justin Trudeau," <laughs> like we are so pro Trudeau, we'd be like, "Hey, I'd be like, that's fine. You guys that's could be all great." Tri- but I'm not going to change what I say about my trip to Canada because it's not close. <laughs> I'm not changing my opinion on little Mr. Brownface. Mr. Brownface is Mr. Brownface. I can't change my opinion on that. He's that's been fact. Dancing with Mr. <laughs> Brownface. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps painting. He oh, won't leave me alone. <laughs> what happened to you, Canada? I thought it was going to be Mammy going in. Mammy. <laughs> like fucking Justin Trudeau singing Mammy. That's oh. going to be the next big sensation but up isn't, there. Isn't that going to be crazy too? Like when they all start having like those deep fakes? Like when you, like it's, well, think about yeah. how many hours of podcasting we have out there think about the kind of stuff they could like tweak and edit and have us saying if they really they don't even have to tweak it like there's a bunch of really crazy shit that we've said if you or i have a run for office we're done they're gonna just pull up that they don't even have to dig in they just go download it like it's ready ready to consume trump got into trump became president (laughs) all right like it doesn't really matter what you say let's be honest just anything you want Growing up in New York was hilarious because, like, you saw Trump, he was a slumlord, all this stuff. I'm like, and then he gets into politics. I'm like, you guys don't know who he is. <laughs> like, like, most dude, of these like, politicians, honestly, you know who they are before they even get elected. Like if you, that if apprentice you show, research. like, I remember like watching just the commercial for that show. Yeah. Like, fuck this guy, this commercial, this show looks retarded. You're fine. And yeah, it's just it's like all leading up just to that one moment, right? It's just an egomaniac. <laughs> Just being able to tell people like I'm the boss, I'm the big man, I don't like you, you're fired, you're out of here. It's like, and you're surprised how he acted when he was president. Like, so if Joe Biden had a show, it would be let's all sit around and talk. It would be like, like five episodes of we're trying to decide who to get rid of. It would be a guy eating ice cream, smelling young girls. That would be the TV show. Where'd Joe go? Oh, he wandered away. He's like, I just gotta. <sighs> Like that ice cream. Uh, yeah. uh, they, uh, I was watching something the other night, and they showed where Joe Biden put his hands on that woman, 
during a speech and he whispered something and all the memes came out about that whole I was like, I forgot about that. Like, there's a lot of shit out there. This is funny. <laughs> Joe Biden also, too, ran for president in 1980 and completely plagiarized a John F. Kennedy speech. Ah. Yeah. Are you sure John F. before him didn't have a time machine and plagiarized Joe? John put the F in John Just F. Saying. Kennedy. <laughs> That's right. He sure <laughs> as hell did. He put the F in Marilyn Monroe. hey Hey-o. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. Anyway, I, I just, I just want to ski. Like, I yeah. just want to ski. Like, I just want to get on a. Ch- you know what? I'll just get on a chairlift by myself and just go up. And you know, what, dude, I, I don't know what it's going to be like this year with the backcountry. I know, like last year was a huge boom. I don't see yeah. any reason why that's going to go down. Like, I just see no. that completely blowing up. I'm just I could stop it. Some people that are not prepared for the backcountry are going to go backcountry, and that's always the worry for me. That I worry about other people. See, I'm you are a people. man of the people. That, that's right. But I, I actually do worry about people because, you know, I don't blame it for going backcountry. I don't blame it for going to try to get some some skiing in. I, that's what we want to do. We want to have fun. We want to get out. We want to do stuff. And everybody wants to do it. So, you know, kudos to them for being able to do it, for going out there and doing it. I just really hope that they stay out of trouble. You know, I hate hearing our, you know, seeing articles or hearing news feeds about people dying in avalanche or yeah. getting lost and die. You know, just I don't I don't like that. This story from Eric. Great. You got to read it. And it really sets the stage for Brian. And I were talking yesterday and I told him I was like, I'm a little weary about next season because I think I'm going to get pissed that they're going to start shutting shit down again. And I don't want that to happen. But. Hey, now they put all the kids back at school. They're all interacting. And of course, COVID's going to spread. Everybody's coming back from somewhere where they were like, oh, we got no COVID rules. And everybody's like, well, you got to be vaccinated. You got to do this. You got to do it. Why'd you open everything up in the summer? You could have closed everything up so we had a good ski season. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm totally selfish in this respect. Close everything that shut everything down, lockdown full on lockdown until ski season and then let everybody go nuts. Okay. So perhaps if we just look what I'm, wearing. Look what I'm wearing, look at that Ishkiel ground zero of COVID in Europe. <laughs> Fuck yeah. What about Ishkiel? Okay. What about if we can just shut down all of like all of November? Like what if we just lock everything up for November so that once we get into December, we just, we just roll, we just rip the bandaid off and be like, you know what? I think you everything go is fair to, game. I think you got to lock down till January 3rd because you can't go to the first or set. Like New Year's is a, a super spreader. So you lock down January 3rd because the second, I think people would be like, all right, screw it. We can't, we're locked down the first. We'll go, we'll party on the second. So you got to do like the third or fourth. So you got to do that and then open everything back up. But what if, what if like having the crazy summer that everyone's having, what if that is helping us get to herd immunity? Exactly. Just put the pedal to the metal. No more lockdowns. Everybody. That's what I'm saying. Pedal to the metal. Lines Everybody, of coke. Your friend that you haven't seen in a while, go and kiss him on the lips. <laughs> How about instead of a vaccine, just lines of coke for everybody and just go. Coke. Just go. Coke, hugging, kissing. You don't feel good one day. Come on into work. Who cares? Every morning. Do the opposite. Yeah, how about every morning you spit in someone different's mouth? <laughs> like, we'll just spit in each other's Ooh. mouths. And how about we'll we do all... the opposite? Would that be bad? I don't, I don't know. 
we wore masks for a little while. We wore masks. Up. Everyone still got COVID. So maybe we should just do the opposite. That's right. No mask and spit in people's mouths. No spit in people's talking close, close talkers. Uh, oh. No social distance. Just, I don't yeah. know. Buffets. Listen, any, I, all I, restaurants I, and buffets. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> restaurants are closed unless they're buffets. Then you just gotta, and there's New, no sneeze guard. <laughs> the sneeze guard gets removed. There's no tongs. There's no Who needs one. Who needs you one? You gotta use, you gotta use your face. Imagine going to like, imagine going to like a breakfast buffet, the scrambled egg, like no chafing is just like home with a no hands buffet, <laughs> like, a, like a goddamn duck waddling up, like <laughs> just pecking at stuff. Like <laughs> that's how we reach herd immunity. Believe it or not, neither Mario or I have any sort of degree in like science or no, any sort science. of nothing science related. Speaking of breakfast buffets, do you remember when we were in Jackson Hole, that bacon every morning at that breakfast mm. buffet? I mean, it was like, it, it was not like even have to be a buffet. Perfect bacon. Is it a buffet if I just go to the bacon and just eat the bacon? Then it's a bacon delivery mechanism. It's not a buffet. I just eat the bacon. Just a bacon experience. <laughs> so but I mean, the bacon was weekend, perfect. So last weekend, I made another pound of bacon, just right in the thing, whatever. And Bodie and I are eating bacon. Melly, she's working on Saturday. So what do I do on Saturday? I make, he talks me into making uh, French toast and bacon. So I make a pound of bacon. And then he's like, you know, I, f- I forgot where he said he saw something on YouTube. We heard something. He's like, they put maple syrup on because now we have maple syrup. We don't have Mrs. Butterworth, which I used to love. But then because of the racism, I can't have Mrs. Butterworth anymore. So now I went to real stole a black woman's job. Good job, <laughs> woke left. You stole a black woman's job. She worked That's so it. hard all those years. <laughs> that because it contributes to more diabetes, I'm I'm off it. So I'm onto the real maple syrup. So he tells me, he's like, I saw something on YouTube and they say that you can just pour the maple syrup on the bacon and it's delicious. I'm like, you know, kid, you at first I was like, what the hell are you talking? I ain't doing anything from, from online. I was like, and that thought what? I was like, what you talking about? Smack upside the head. That's right. I was ready to smack him. I was like, you got something there, kid. So I, I spread the bacon, I, I spread the maple syrup on the bacon, put it back in the oven. That was the best damn bacon ever. Mm. Oh, all you do is you take a little pastry brush and you write over the bacon with the maple syrup. Look <clears> at you, a pastry brush. Mr. Fancy. God damn, I'm, my mouth is watering. That bacon is so good. And See, it was thought, a double cut pepper bacon. Ooh, oh, that is nice. And then See, the I thought, syrup. I thought you were going in a very different direction. This is where I thought you were going. <laughs> I thought you were going to fry out the bacon. Are you did it in the oven. So I was thinking you you fry out the bacon. And you know, like the good bacon, you get like, there's like a ton of grease in there. Yeah. I thought you were going to pour maple syrup into the grease. Red eye maple syrup gravy. And then cook the French toast in that. Oh, that would have been good. That dude. Been. Dude, that bacon. I'm, I'm thinking about this bacon grease French toast now. Like that may be a, an experiment this weekend. I'm telling you, that might not It's be like bad. a Monte Cristo almost. Like a Monte Cristo French toast. You got you to gotta look up red eye gravy. Make the red eye gravy and just pour it on the French toast. Or just get biscuits, man. I love when you go. You know how you know you're, going at, a, you're at a good breakfast buffet? Mm. is when they have the bacon chafing dish, dish there and they put the bread in the bottom. Yep. Like Gotta to absorb. absorb the grease. Yeah. Like if you're the guy getting that slice, like that's like, I mean, that's like 
wishbone right there. Like you <laughs> crack the wishbone by yourself. You're like, I win. So that's what you're taking and making French toast out of. There you go. Perfect. Boop. Toast it. And then a little syrup. So you know what I did for my French toast before I made the French toast? I actually buttered the bread and then did the French toast on it. That's thug life right there. Talk about deliciousness. There was butter in the bread. You don't have to put any butter on it. Like it's just there. Fucking love butter. Goddamn carry gold. Like the best. <sighs> that's all. I, Costco, carry gold. That's all we buy. I can eat it with this. Like we put it in the butter bell. I could just like spoon uh, it and eat it. Like it's that good. Bell. If anybody doesn't know about the butter bell, but let's go back to that. Oh, the butter bell. So my butter bell stayed un, unbuttered for about two weeks. Everybody lost their shit in the house, including me. It's like, God damn it. There's no like fresh butter to spread if you, on something. You can't go from having a butter bell to not having a butter bell. <laughs> oh, like, oh my I, God. Shout out to Nick. Like we, that he like brought the butter bell to life for us. <laughs> like I didn't know what the hell a butter bell was. And I have not been able to live without one since. So I've been thinking about if I did get rid of the butter bell, what would be my alternative? I would want the thing from the 80s that you saw, which is you load the butter into the thing and you press the trigger oh. and it just <laughs> grinds the butter onto whatever you want. That would be a good, re- that would be that the only work. replacement. That could work. <laughs> oh my God. Or just have like a cauldron at all times of like melted butter. You can just dip stuff in. See, this is where I got to live on a farm. So I keep thinking if I hit the lottery, I'm going to have a little farm on a big ass ranch with a big ass baller thing. I'm going to probably pay people or just let people live on my place. Just run. I want cattle like slaves, but like having fun. Ch- oh, and they can keep all the profits. I just want like food from it. You have chickens, pigs, uh, cows. Of course I got to have horses. I want to ride horses all over that thing. And like with a shotgun, just like check what you doing on my land. <laughs> I want to be that guy. But, uh, but think about it. You could have fresh bacon, fresh cream, fresh. What's in your coffee? Cream from that cow. What are you that putting on your bread? Right Butter from that cow. You know what I mean? Like, where's this bacon coming from? Here's a picture of the pig <laughs> that, that killed last week. Like, that's like fresh stuff. I mean, I don't that's, know. And have a cool farm. Treat the animals nice. Farm to well, table. I mean, the pigs, eventually. We treat them nice for a little while. It'll be farm to my mouth. Let's put it that way. There you go. Farm <laughs> to mouth. Not farm to table, farm to mouth. Farm to mouth. What would be the step? Like, what would you consider farm to mouth? That sounds a little creepy. Like, does that get into weird stuff? Or Yeah, that, that gets into super weird stuff. What do you there's, right? there's definitely a site for that. <laughs> yeah, this is farm to mouth. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I'm not even going to look it up. I'm Mr. Hands, don't look. Google <laughs> don't, it. Don't Google Mr. Hands. Put your hands up. Don't Google. We are not linking to anything, but just throwing that out there. Not clicking. Don't click a thing. Just stop where you are. Yes. So speaking of backcountry. I didn't realize. Park City closes the 9990 backcountry gate permanently after fatal avalanches. So if you don't know the 9990 lift, it's in a great part. Brian and I had a wonderful time. It's in the canyons area of Park City, right? So they consider yep. canyons joined with Park City was about like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, around that. Roughly. And uh, so what used to be canyons and still, I guess, is called canyons as part of Park City. But anyway, uh, they closed it after some fatal avalanches. 
in the wake of two outbound fatalities last winter, Park City Mountain Resort announced Friday it would permanently close the backcountry gate access uh, atop the 9990 chairlift, uh, ending an era of vir- virtually defect chairlift access. I was a defect, virtually direct chairlift access to the Park City Ridgeline. In a prepare statement, they made it. The COO, Mike Gore, indicated as prompted by last season's death and aimed at reducing the number of novice users who venture unequipped, what we were just talking about, into the backcountry. They announced it would reopen a separate backcountry portal, which sits above peak five lift after closing it last winter. While both exits access the same area, peak five exit requires more hike to effort to get to it. I love that idea because if you think about it, the 99.90 lift was great. It got you all the way up there. And then it was so easy to jump out that I guess novice users would be like, well, what's the difference? I'm just going to go here. Yeah. And that's, you know, like he, you know, like you mentioned, and you know, like we've talked about in the past, you know, we've been on trips where people are going out into the backcountry. I mean, <sighs> I mean, we went out, we went on a trip once, and this guy brought this girl out into the backcountry. She didn't even have a helmet, yeah. let alone any in the sort of avalanche gear. In you know, the backcountry. In the backcountry. Didn't even have a helmet. So that same guy went all over Zermatt skiing a whole bunch of places and then with a went with a guide the next day and the guide said why did you go there that's gonna have an avalanche <laughs> no so he doesn't have a great track record uh, yeah. but he has a good video out there which i won't say any names uh and it's a the whole rocket thing yeah yeah yes but now this is this is kind of cool and I'm, I'm actually looking at the park city trail map that i have hanging up and you know i can see the 9990 and you can see the peak five. And yeah, and you know what? It really goes into the whole ethos too of earning your turn. So yeah, you're yeah. not getting directly out into the that backcountry area, but put a little work in, a little effort in. And I forget if they I actually like I like it. And I, I don't I don't know if they actually did it or if they were just talking about doing it. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Wolf Creek out in Colorado? Yes. They were going to have that backcountry gate, but they were going to have it like a checkpoint where you had to prove, you know, really kind of have all of your equipment and then you could go out there. You know, it's like, okay, I got my, I got my stuff. Then you can go. Now again, you, you, you know how to use it. That's, that's a whole other story, but at least you're, you're, you have the right tools to protect yourself, which is at so, least something. Yeah. A lot of the skier is on national national land, right? That they lease from national park service or whatever. And if you think about it in the summer, right? If you go out into some of these national parks, they want you to register with the rangers so they know you're out there and they can keep track. Like if they lose track of people coming in or out, they could actually say, Hey, we, we may have to search for somebody, you know, things like that. Like it's, it's kind of good safety thing. And it's a procedure that was put in place. Um, I like the idea of doing this because, you know what? Before going into the back country, number one, they should they they may want to, or it would be a good practice to keep track of who comes in and who comes out of the back country to know, hey, we didn't lose anybody. Uh, and not only that, like you said, you get an opportunity to check to make sure people are doing the right thing. Like if you don't have your equipment. You know, you shouldn't go in the back country and it's not for insurance or anything. It's just for your own personal safety, you know? And honestly, like we talked about before, 
you're a dipshit if you go out with somebody and you're skiing backcountry and they don't have any equipment because you know what? You could find them if they get buried, but they are never going to find you. Yeah, you're putting yourself in real danger if you do so that. So you just put yourself at the at the premium risk of that little outing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you know, despite the fact that they are closing it, there was a uh, petition that was put together calling for the reopening of the gates, which gathered more than 1,800 signatures. So they are trying to keep it open, but for the time being, it looks like if you want to get up there, you're gonna have to. Take that peak five lift and do a little hike in there. Well, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there, but if they want to open that gate again, you know, what's the harm in saying, hey, just have some, charge people for a backcountry gate access little pass. Maybe it's three bucks, five bucks, ten bucks. Don't but give you know any ideas. They're hey, already going to be charging you know for what? parking. Yeah, but you know what? Then they check you to make sure you have all your stuff. You have your backcountry gear. Perfect. You can go. You don't have your backcountry gear. Go ski down. Get out of here. Go hike up to the other one if you want, you know, free access to whatever. Go get your shine box and go down that hill. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was uh that was uh good uh good fellows, right? Good fellows, yep. Go get your shine box. <laughs> and he stabbed the guy with a pen after that. It was Joe Pesci, right? Yeah, it was uh Christopher oh. from the Sopranos. Oh, he stabbed him. Spider. Yes, spider. Uh, yes, go get your shine. That was spider stabbing in the eye. That was casino. I was mixing Joe casino, Pesci yeah. violent moments in <laughs> in Hollywood. The stabbing in the eye was casino. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got one more story here in the ski news. Shit, I remember. There you go. And this this one, I've actually been thinking about this, and then I saw this article, and it all kind of brought it home. Did the pandemic finally end the modern day ski bum? And hmm. this article is focusing specifically on good old Jackson Hole, Wyoming, a place we nice. very much love. And it's talking about some of the restaurants there. And they said they just they can't get people to work. And the quote here is from Josh Hirschman, a general manager of local restaurant and bar. He said, you know, a lot of our staff has lost their rentals and no one can move here because of the housing shortage. There are people I know with the skill sets we need, but we can't hire them because they can't find a place to live. Hmm. And it says flipping through the classifieds in the Jackson Hole Daily last week, I found 10 pages of help wanted inquiries with 183 job postings, followed by only three long-term rentals, one of which was a one-bedroom condo in town for $3,500 per month. Mm. Like you need to be making an insane amount of money to live there. That's the long and short of it. Yeah. And they say the housing crisis isn't a new issue for ski towns like Jackson, Aspen, Crested Butte, where the mm -hmm. local workforce has been struggling with an extensive, unstable, and competitive housing market for decades. They say the last year homes were affordable to the local workforce in Jackson, meaning the medium home sale correlated to the median earning household was 1987. So, so how do you survive? How do you run a business? How do you maintain a ski area, right? You wonder. Yeah. And then it talks about this guy, you know, he's, he pretty much lives in his Subaru Outback. 
My neighbors in my last apartment complex had a family of four crammed into a 450 square foot studio. Damn. People will do whatever it takes to survive in this town. But now that restaurants, bars, libraries, bike shops, and even the public pool are starting to close or reduce hours, the crisis is finally drawing attention for those who only follow the market loosely. And see, yeah. here's, the, here's the thing that I've been thinking about lately. For many Americans, pre-pandemic, jobs were the only thing keeping them in places like New York, L.A., and San Francisco. Mountain towns have seen a huge influx in both visitors and new residents since the COVID-19 outbreak as digital nomads with deep pockets for monthly rent flee the city in favor of fresh mountain air. Mm -hmm. And then they say condos that were selling for $300,000 two years ago are going for $700,000 now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's challenging to work with families here who have good jobs and have saved up money over the years only to be outbid by cash buyers from outside the valley, sight unseen. Because again, if you can yeah. if you can work remote and you could live anywhere, you're like, I'm going to go move to Jackson. So exactly. yeah, you're moving there, you're living there, you're skiing there, but yeah, who did you not steal it? Who would have bought that apartment or condo or whatever instead so they could actually like live and work in that town that they need to be in that town to work? Right. Well, while people move, you know, they don't realize, I don't think everybody realizes the effect of everybody relocating. So you have money, you go from a place where you pay high money. Now you move to a place where you don't have to pay high money and you can work remote and blah, blah, blah. Right. But you're pricing the people that do the jobs that support the area that you love out of range for them to do that. And that's what this article is talking about. And, yeah. you know, it, we've seen it personally. We talk to people when we we're at Whistler, we we're at Jackson and it's just, it's bad. Like people, people come over and, you know, that's the other thing. Like, so the pandemic is hurting the visas that people can get to come from other countries. Who are we getting to work these jobs? A lot of times it was people that wanted to get experience working in the U S they would come from another country and they would put up with this shit. They would put up with, you know, living in a one bedroom apartment with four to six people dealing with working, you know, week to week just to get money so they could send home or, or, you know, save it up or get the inroads to, to stay in the U S and now that's kind of ruined. And you're talking about where are you going to get people to work? You know, there's yeah. been so many places that I've been that I asked people how things are going and they're like, we, we just can't pe get people to work. When I was even at Obergatlinburg, they were like, yeah, it's been really hard because of the pandemic we can't get workers. So even though we're open, we can't get people to work. So it's, it's, you have limited capacity at restaurants where you're like, well, they could fill it up because the people want to come here. Well, that's great. We could fill it up, but you would get really shit service, like shittier service than you get now because we don't have enough people to, to serve or to, to cook or to help, you know? And things like, you're like, well, you know, they need to be paid more. It's like, well, if I'm paying them more, that means you're going to pay more for your dinner Exactly. Or, if it's at, or if it's at the resort, you're going to pay more for your lift ticket. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's how it works. Like so you're you, going from a 10 or $15 entree to a $30 entree. And are you going to be okay paying it? Cause that's what it's going to come to because now these people can't afford to work for less than a certain amount of money. And then everybody has to pay more. 
everybody yeah. pays more, including the people going there. Yeah, it's true. So it's, you know, like I, you read about this and, you know, cause again, you know, we always talk about it, think about it like, Oh, you know, if we could move to a ski town, like that would be like, where would we go? And I mean, I know I look at, I look at real estate all over the place, you know, like I was looking at looking at Whitefish and Salt Lake city and park city and Jackson and Jackson just, I mean, it is absolutely ludicrous well, what it takes to live pandemic. in a normal size house like if you wanted yeah. like a three-bedroom house in jackson i saw one it was like two million dollars and it sucked <laughs> like it wasn't like oh my god this is like a dream house it yeah. was a two million dollar shit house mm. but jackson again we were looking even pre-pandemic we've been looking for a while since we were there and i remember looking at places that were condos and some of the stipulations were you have to, you can't live there. You have to rent it out to a local uh, worker. Like so, they have they had rules because they had so much trouble with housing already. And now, what is this going to do as we come out of pandemic, where these places that used to be, like you said, affordable for somebody, you know, to double or triple up on a room, you know, that they could actually afford it at that at that rate. Now it's priced out of even that range. So. What do you, you, you can't get people to stay there. You can't get people to work. So, yeah. And I remember when we were in, we were in Jackson and we were talking to the lady working at the um, Pendleton store, which is like a, you know, like clothing and they, they like carpets or whatever. But like the, the big Lebowski, like his jacket, yeah. like dude, like that's a that's Pendleton right. sweater. And we were at the Pendleton store looking, just looking. And somehow we were chatting with the lady working there and she was, you know, probably in her like 50s, 60s. And we asked, like, oh, do you, do you live nearby? She's like, well, I live about an hour and 40 from here. And, you know, if you were an executive making big money and you could live somewhere you really want to live and you commute an hour and 40, you deal with it, whatever. But to work at a clothing shop and, I mean... Have to drive that in the snow. Drive that far to make... I mean, I doubt she was making much more than... I mean, she's probably doing okay. Maybe she's a store manager. Probably but, doing commission or something. Yeah, yeah but she's not She's not like filthy rich, like making a ton, a ton of money. But that's right. just the only option. Because if you look on the map, like if you look at where Jackson is, I mean, it is surrounded by National Park. Mm -hmm. So there really is very little like where they can actually build. Yeah. So you have the town of Jackson, which is tiny. And then you have um, Wilson, which is what the town you kind of go to when you're going up to the to Jackson Tommy Mo. resort, Tommy Mo. And then there's like the other direction <laughs> you go to South park and then Hoback. But I mean, it's all pretty much like a highway with like a tiny little bit of a band that you could actually build something. Well, it's funny. I think we were talking to Tommy and he was like, no, I moved out of here. I'm in Wilson now. Cause he was like, it's but got dude, really Wilson's lucrative. insane now. Like right. Wilson is insane. But that used to be the place where people were like, no, I'm not. It's, it's expensive here. I'm going to, I'm going to sell my place, cash out and go to Wilson. I'll drive a little bit extra, you know, and now Wilson's expensive. So where do you go? You know, it's there's, that's the thing. And like Wyoming has like super, like super tax laws. So if you are a primary resident there, like there's no state income tax. A mm -hmm. lot of businesses are incorporated there. Like it's very tax favorable to be there. Can you just camp on state land on uh, government land? Um, I don't know. I'm right, sure. freeze your ass off, but you could probably do it. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because if you look at Wyoming, if you go 
East and you go to like, you know, Casper or Cheyenne or something. I mean, it's like dirt cheap to live there. Mm. But Jackson, because again, Jackson is Jackson, is is crazy expensive. Jackson's Jackson is right. Jackson's Jackson. And there's a little town of Alta, which is where Grand Targi is. So you pretty much have to drive through Idaho to go back into Wyoming to get to Grand Targi. Mm. And even that town of Alta, the you know, it's it's insane how expensive it is. Yeah, it's just, you know, when you talk about a have and have nots now, now you have to really account for in with the amount of wealth that's in that area, you really got to start accounting for, you know, what do we do to, to get the people that work here for, you know, not exorbitant wages? How do we keep them here? Right. Yeah. And, the, you know, this whole real estate thing, you know, you, you, this last 18 months has been crazy. It's like a lot of, a lot of areas have experienced a big increase in value because you know, the mortgage rates were low and people leaving the cities. And every time it, everybody always says every bubble, they're like, there's no way the prices are ever going to come down. Yeah. It's just going to keep going up. And it never just keeps going up. There's always a correction. Always and you a bubble. Just wonder, like, what's like, what's that correction going to be like? in areas like those like ski town areas tend to not correct nearly as bad as like normal places. I think a lot of the problem with today, right? Like it's easy to say like, you know, finance was driving a lot of the, and loan loans were driving a lot of the market bubbles before, right? A lot of what's driving these bubbles in these areas that are not in big cities is COVID. Right. So that's something that's like totally not related to finance. It's a matter of, hey, I don't have to work here. I could be anywhere. Where do I want to live? So now it's it's a different there's a different tag on on where people are going. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's and that's kind of what the article talks about. Like if you could live anywhere, I mean you can just like where are you gonna go? Like you can just yeah. you know, choose your poison. And again, yep. people are going to those big skiers. So I'm sharing the screen with you. Boom. Look at this house. This is a $2 million house in Wilson, Wyoming. Hmm. Does that look like a $2 million house at all? Well, it's got a three-car garage. It's nice. It's got a three-car garage. That's for Dude, sure. I was, watching, I was watching a show the other day, and they were in like somewhere in Texas. It was like Houston. And something like that would have been like $120,000. It's crazy. But like, isn't that bananas? Like, that's the kind. That's what two million dollars. It gets you a three bedroom, three bath house. That's kind of yeah. ugly. Mm. It's crazy. It does have high end finishes and a three car garage, and there's an, a nine hundred square foot guest house. That's damn. But the guest house is rented out at twenty nine fifteen a month. Damn. So what's stopping you from buying a piece of land and just chucking a double wide on there? You could do that, that, right? You, you certainly could do that, but like, look at the prices of everything around here. Like this one here, uh, there was one one point five five million. It's a one bedroom, one bath, five hundred and eighty four square foot little tiny cabin. It's like a little, but this tiny house. Kind of, it's kind of awesome because you can hook your trailer up to it. Like it's made to hook a trailer up to. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of main topics. 
we had a awesome interview with our new friend Kara from Charcuterie. Charcuterie. Her and her friend have a a really cool Instagram handle, and you know I'll let her go in and, and describe what it is. But they uh, they do some pretty cool on mountain dining all over wherever they travel, wherever they're going. They're based out of Park City. I gotta say, if you look at how Charcuterie is spelt. You could say it's Charcutsky. Charcutsky, which is I, why I Char- asked her. Charcutsky. That's kind of sharp. Well, sharp's not good, but then the cute and the ski are good. <laughs> That's why it's Charcutsky. Charcutsky. So we had a good interview with Kara and hope you guys enjoy it. So here she is. We have a very special guest this week on the podcast. Now, social media has good reputations, bad reputations, depending on who you're talking to. It's all about curating. That's the key to having a positive social media experience. We, I don't know how, I think it was my sister tagged us on one of your posts and we were like, oh, this is awesome. And we started chatting on Instagram and now here you are as a guest. This is Kara from Charcuterie on Instagram. So Kara, welcome. Hi, it's great to be here. So a little bit, you want to give a description of your, uh, your Instagram feed because it yeah. is, it is beautiful and it's <laughs> delicious looking. <laughs> yeah. We have a, actually a lot of a mixed reception on the feed, but the general concept of it is eating meat and cheeses off your skier snowboard somewhere in the mountains. And it's just, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun than a lot more cost effective too, generally than going in and sitting in a lodge and eating with your friends and dealing with the hustle of it. So, you know, this last winter, things being the way they were Deer Valley, for example, we ski there a lot. We're based in Park City. You had to have a reservation to go to if you just wanted to go in and grab a grilled cheese, like you had to have a reservation to sit at a table and we were like, all right. So, you know, got in the habit of packing your own lunches, but then we started to get a little extra about it. So we would start shopping for artisanal cheeses and artisanal smoked meats and, you know, curating all of these things from trying to keep it as local as possible. And we set up in the middle of mountain somewhere, try to find really scenic locations set up our charcuterie board on our skis and take pictures, awesome. listen to some music, have a good lunch. That's it's a great idea. Like owning the whole experience. And, you know, we've talked to a few folks. Um, last week, we actually spoke to Doug Fish, the founder of uh, Indie Pass. And we're talking to him about like some of the things that were positive about the whole COVID lockdown restrictions year and finding alternate ways like, instead of going to a lodge, like we talk about tailgating, like what you guys are doing, like that is like the stuff that we want to keep after we get back to normal, because yeah. that is, right. that is super. Why cool. should that end? Right. It's Why? a great idea. I think that a lot about lot prey, you see everyone with their chairs set up in the lot and you're just, the, the reason that you go to a bar is to drink and hang out with your friends. So why not drink and hang out with your friends just on the bed of a truck in the parking lot of a ski resort, listening to your own music and, you know, hang out with whoever wants to come over. Just and like, you got I, cheaper, I, better beer too. Yes. <laughs> and curate your own selection of good local brews well, and not have to pay personal... $9 for them that you pay at the liquor store. Exactly. Yeah. A little more personal, a little, a little cozier too, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. 
So now was this the first season that you set this up? Yep. So this was the first season that we've ever done this, but I've had since starting the account, we've had a few people message us like, Oh, wow. What a great idea. This is me from last year. This is me two seasons ago, whatever it was. So it's not shocking that there have been people who have eaten food off their skis or snowboard before. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of funny to, to see that, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, I did this out at Whistler five years ago or whatever it is. But personally, this is the first season that we started doing it. And the Instagram account came to fruition also a few months ago. Now you said you had mixed responses to (laughs) the account. So I'm hoping I'm I'm sure it's what 80% positive, 90% positive. It's definitely more than 90% positive, but we had, so in a very similar situation to like how I, how we came to know each other, a friend had tagged us in a black crows post And Black Crows saw our stuff and then they reposted one of our pictures. And the comment section on that picture is like, it's like 95%. Wow, this is an amazing idea. But then there's definitely a decent 5% that's like, this is disgusting. (laughs) This is the foulest thing I've ever seen. Along with you people, you should be in prison. You know, uh, like, they like the it. idea of putting food on the ski. Is that what it was? I mean, yeah, it just it just disgusts them. Weird. Yeah, you're not like drinking beer out of a used ski boot. You know, it's right. not like you're animals. Yeah, but you just <laughs> right. Sister, I had my sister when we first started doing it. She she's a registered dietitian, so she's like, "Where's your food safety?" And I'm like, "I don't <laughs> even know what that means, but <laughs> just I'll entertain you. What upsets you so much about this?" And she goes you pee on your skis. And I was like, I don't, I don't pee on my skis. I literally never <laughs> once in my lifetime peed on my skis. I don't you know. Wipe what. them off, right? Before you put the food on. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, even if I did <laughs> clean it up a little bit. Doesn't the <laughs> right. cold kill a lot of stuff anyway? Yeah. Right. Well, that's right. like, so my mom's old school. She's a, she's like, if a, a pet were to eat off a dish, she's never using that dish again. Like she's that like, so you can't wash it. It's ceramic. Like what's wrong? So it grows, things like that grows her out. So I can see, you know. What is well, she your mom, little Nothing? <laughs> your mom's like a Puerto Rican Larry David. <laughs> that's right. You go to a right. restaurant, I'm like you eat off a plate that somebody else ate off of and drink and use a fork that somebody else put in their mouth. You know, you know I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't bother her. But At least you know yeah. what's going into your dog's mouth. <laughs> Exactly. I think the dog is a little less nasty than some restaurant patrons in certain areas. I would agree with that. Right? You start thinking about using the same dishes, and then it starts grossing out about going to a restaurant. So, so is she, has she started to freak you out now? No, no. I, I just laugh at her. I'm like, ha ha, it's funny. Yeah. But you do have some germaphobia tendencies, though. Yeah. Is I that do. where you got them from? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because because there's a lot of germophobia even before COVID. So COVID just is right in my wheelhouse. I'm like, good. I didn't want to breathe on anybody anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's some things where I'm like, hugs don't have to come back. Like hugging distant relatives. I'm I'm okay yeah. with that. You guys can stay over there. This is great. <laughs> like old person yeah. smell. We may never have to experience that again. <laughs> yeah, Another positive silver linings. <laughs> Right? Exactly. So you're saying we're not going to be in overcrowded room? Perfect. I love that. It sounds great. <laughs> I can <laughs> yeah. eat outside with my friends. I love it. <laughs> oh, exactly. Everybody's eating outside okay. now. I'm like, that used to be a rarity. Now it's like the common thing. It's yeah. perfect. Alfresco yeah. dining is the norm. 
That's right. It's beautiful. So I know, and I know like I, I've, I've seen some other, like not your feed so much, but other like charcuterie board type uh, posts and accounts. Like some people just, when you post something like that, they think you're a snob, you're a rich, you're an elitist. And I saw some lady, she's like, I spent $20 and I made this meal for like six people. Cause I don't know. I think maybe the word charcuterie just seems fancy. It sounds fancy. Yeah. It's like, the French, you know, we hear a French word and we're just like, Oh my God, I can't. <laughs> right. It seems more regal, like more like, like Royale with cheese, you know, <laughs> Royale with cheese. Same it thing. doesn't have it's to be wine. You could have turn. beer, you could have wine, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's yeah. all your options. It's like, your we options. also, it's so, it's also so much more cost effective than going to actually eat in a lodge. And the kind of the beauty of it is that everyone contributes. So you say like, all right, guys, meet at the base of this lift. At this time, we're going to head up, find a spot. And everyone just unpacks their bags. And you've got people who brought hummus, people who brought guac, people who brought this kind of cheese, people who have like this leftover banana bread. And it just, it, it comes to life. Like there's nothing, there's nothing snobby about it. But I can, I can definitely see that is that when people look at a curated, charcuterie board that has like flour salami on it (laughs) it's like oh you made a range of nice (laughs) like people get mad at you for making a tiny bit of effort it's like oh i'm sorry i'm not eating out of a paper bag at a fast (laughs) food drive-thru i'm sorry i have a little bit of respect for my meal presentation (laughs) yeah you're making a little bit of effort it's like oh you combed your hair okay it's fancy (laughs) oh Fancy, right, Queen That's Elizabeth, fancy for me, Queen yeah. Tara of Park City. <laughs> you know. So now, do you have any sort of culinary history? I don't know. You for this or no? Uh, I like my mom didn't really even teach us how to cook growing up, so kind of this foray into the cheese world has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, oh. My friend Sarah and I, who jointly run the account we'll go to the night before we know that we want a charcuterie. We like go to the grocery store and we pick out a new cheese to try every time. And I don't know how to pronounce 90% of them. I don't even know the difference between a hard and a soft cheese. Truly. I just know what I like and what I don't like. And if I put it in my mouth and I don't like it, I'm not going to eat it. (laughs) You're spitting it out. You're causing a scene. You're letting everyone know, never get this cheese again. Yep. I know that I do not like any type of feta or goat cheese or cheeses like that. Not for me. So I'm with you. I'm learning that a little bit. But if bit. you have enough friends, somebody will eat it probably. You know, yeah, chances somebody are will eat it. somebody yeah. will like it. If it's broth, somebody will definitely eat it. I wish I liked goat cheese. That was like one of the three or four foods. I, I wish I liked olives. I don't like olives for some reason. Apparently, I hate the Mediterranean, all their cuisine. Because those are like lamb, lamb, olives, and goat cheese are like my bugaboos. And I know that's that tends to be heavy in the charcuterie world but you know there's again like you said other people bring different things and you can make it work yeah see i never like goat cheese but if you make um risotto and put goat cheese in after you cook it it's actually pretty delicious i i would say i'll give it a chance but that would be a lie so (laughs) (laughs) honesty beautiful now i had a question i sent to you about your ski history but you're you're based in park city you said yeah, I just moved here in December. So I grew up skiing on the East Coast. My parents had my sister and myself on skis basically since we could walk. And skiing in nice. New Jersey isn't really great. Um, but we would do, I had an uncle who runs a seasonal business and he would rent a house every winter 
in Vail, in Breckenridge, in Aspen, wherever it was. And we would go out and, you know, take our winter break and then take another week off school. Spend a couple weeks out west every year growing up. And then my parents bought a house in Vermont when I was probably like seven, maybe eight. And we started going up there every single weekend, which when my sister and I were in middle school, we loathed that it was like the drive, not being able to hang out with our friends on the weekends. The only thing that I wanted to do on Sunday nights was watch Zoe 101, that show that got canceled because Jamie Lynn Spears got pregnant. And I just would get so sad that I couldn't watch Zoe 101. And I would throw these temper tantrums that I couldn't watch this stupid, stupid Nickelodeon show. And then uh, as we grew up and we started to actually make friends up there, it's something that I'm I'm so grateful for. And a lot of my friends who have tried to get into skiing when they've been older, you know, so I have like a 30 old friend who came out in here in February. It was like his third day ever on skis and watching him struggle, but still love it so much makes me so grateful that my parents got me into skiing when they did. And I can, you know, hail head to the veil back bowls and just be like, yeah, I'm going to rip whatever line I'm going to rip. You don't really have to think about it. So yeah. I've, as I've gotten older, I've gotten way more grateful for my parents putting us in ski school and driving us to Vermont every weekend. No, it's opened a lot of doors for me. And it's one of my favorite activities now. That is beautiful because cool. I am currently in a basement in New Jersey. So I understand <laughs> your pain because it, it's funny right now. The uh, I joke with people. I'm like the closest ski resort to me right now is Big Snow, the indoor place at the Meadowlands. <laughs> yeah. yep. I'm shocked that they ever it is. And it took them, I don't know, what, 15 years to get it open since they broke yeah. down on it. I think you're right. Because it started, I think, in 2005, that whole Xanadu monstrosity. And have you been there? Like, had horrible. you been there before you moved? Mm-mm. I never was able to go before I moved because they like they were just starting to open it when COVID hit. And it was like something that I was like, oh, maybe I'll go there. And then I just got it's out. It's <laughs> surprisingly fun. Like they did a pretty yeah. awesome job. And they, so they, they opened it in December of 2019. It was mm-hmm. open for, I don't know what, three months then, four months until yeah. they locked it down. And it's funny because we were there as part of the fancy media group there on opening day. Fancy. And they're like, this is the first ch- and last first chair ever because we're going to be open forever. And then of <laughs> course they jinx themselves. Like that place has to be cursed. Mm-hmm. must have been an Indian burial ground or something <laughs> because yeah. it's cursed. I mean, it considering years to open. It's the Meadowlands. It's an everything burial ground. There are dead people there, every ethnicity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dozens of them. Jimmy House is in the stadium next door, right? Like, the, yeah. Uh, the rumor. But they um they did a pretty like I was surprised. I went there, I've been there three times so far, and I went back, I was there a few weeks ago, and they're just building it out more and more. And they're actually putting a yard house above like the bottom where you come down where the chairlift is. So there you can actually nice. hang out there and have a couple of beers and like watch people on the hill. They have this cool little like beginner area for kids and, and beginners. And they have the terrain park sides. So there's there's gonna be kids in the next five, 10 years coming out of there that are gonna be unreal in the park because they can again they can do Terrain it 365 yeah. right there um so i definitely feel your uh your your jersey east coast uh pain <laughs> and i i envy your escaping out to park city yeah i got out of jersey but i went south he he he's still in bunker down in jersey so i'm very bunker down and i'm down the shore so i yeah don't cry for me i, I there are worse <laughs> places to be um <laughs> But again, it's like once this, uh, you know, you start seeing the sun set a little earlier, you're like, ooh, 
like winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is still coming. And uh, yeah, we were we were actually in Park City a couple years ago. Uh, we we lucked out. We actually, you know, it was it was somehow we managed to get the only Friday in February when it rains, like in the history of Utah. So we were there, and it was just dumping rain down in Park City. So we didn't ski that day, but oh, we luckily. Were we, we were, were very, very bitter. bitter and we went to the Stein Erickson. They wouldn't seat us. So we couldn't afford it anyway. And <laughs> we tried going to the, the high West saloon. We couldn't get in oh, there a few times, a few oh. times. Like we tried multiple nights to get into park or high West. We couldn't get in. That's um, rough. Yeah. yeah. But then magically that day, like all that rain that was down in the bottom, it was all snow way, way up top. Mm-hmm. So the next morning we, uh, we got out and then we hit the 9990 lift just as it opened. And Canyons, like, yeah. like the nice. run, the run that we hit, like everybody, it was like, we were all seven years old. Everyone's like, <laughs> everyone, you hear hooting and hollering from every, everywhere around you. It was so cool. Yeah. That's one thing. It's like, sometimes you forget that the mountains and park city itself are just two completely different weather systems. And then salt Lake, even like it'll be pouring in salt Lake 50 degrees. And then by the time you get back to park city, it's there's eight inches of snow on the ground. It's 20 degrees. And then you get 3000 additional feet up to the top of 9990 or wherever you're going. And there's nine feet of powder. and It's one degree yeah. Fahrenheit. So. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's such a cool spot. And uh, he picked a very, fun spot to be in so i'm again jealous of your your migrating east to west but you also inspire nice town yeah it's a fun town all right so back to your proof proof i want to talk out i want to talk about charcuterie again all right so do you have a must-have item on your board so there's this type of cheese called bellavento and they do it's basically marinating it with different beverages that they do and other flavors, but they'll do like, you can get like a bourbon, a Tennessee whiskey, a Merlot, and every single one of them that I've ever had is just, as long as you like what it's actually infused with is fantastic. One of our favorite ones is the balsamic. I could eat an an entire thing of of those (laughs) in one sitting until it makes me throw up. It is one of the best cheeses. It's like our our absolute go-to. We go into the grocery store, we hightail it, that and then we buy our, our other things. I actually cannot nice. believe you said that because that Tennessee whiskey one is my absolute favorite cheese. It's so good. It is so good. I actually we so our uh, our shop right has that. Um, they have a couple different ones. We should get the Merlot one, the big fat one from Costco because mm-hmm. they have that there. But that Tennessee whiskey, I actually was like, should I buy a quarter wheel? And then I'm like, dude, that's a lot of cheese. But you <laughs> eat is- it, so why not? <laughs> How long does that last? Or you can just go back to the store a bunch of times. That works too. I could, but they, you know what? They give you these little tiny wedges. It's like barely a, big enough. They're like not big enough. Barely doorstop uh. size. You know, like I need a little more. But that's the thing. It was either the the doorstop or the quarter wheel. Like that's that's a big. Like I'd like something in the middle there, perhaps. Yeah. yeah let's write to them. Write to Murray's Cheese and ask them if start supplying a bigger size. That's I can't believe that's the one you came up with because that one was the one I nice. was thinking of too because I absolutely love their cheeses. Yeah, it's, it's an fun. award-winning cheese. It's so good. Yeah, they nice. do. So that's that they actually marinated in after is like because I know the rind is where you have that flavor, right? Yeah, I think they in, I think they infuse it during the 
during the process of the cheese making. I haven't, I don't know a lot about cheese making, just like I don't like know the difference between hard and soft cheeses. I just know that I like to eat it off a ski when it looks beautiful outside with my friends. <laughs> you know, perhaps this could take you in a whole different direction. Like you could become like a whole, like, you know, like cheese connoisseur, like do some videos yeah. going to fromageries and seeing <laughs> how they actually make the oh. cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ski like France, you go get some yeah. French cheeses, ski Italy, get some Italy, Italian cheeses. Yeah. I wonder if they have like uh, certifications like that for sommeliers for so, cheese mongering. Cheese mongering, yes. <laughs> there's, your fir- there's your first T-shirt, just cheese monger. Cheese monger <laughs> at Charcuterie. Perfect. I'm sure. I'm sure if you go to the one of those crunchy little um, cheese shops, they'll tell you all about their certifications and how to get them. Probably. I wouldn't, you know, the websites like cloud nine living always have cheese tours and wine tours and stuff on there. I think I'm at the point where I really need to sit down for a cheese tour. Yeah. It's there's um, a place by in red bank. It's kind of like where I live and they have a cheese shop and I went there and like, I was like, it's a tiny little shop, but there's no way they're going to have anything that interesting or, or amazing. I went in there and they, Make this whole board for you and they like they ask you what you like what you don't like and like mm-hmm. my wife and i sat there for like an hour just like sampling and i was like this stuff is so awesome and it's again not, not stuff you're gonna i would have picked out on my own yeah. but to, to get that expert knowledge it's almost like going skiing with someone who like knows the mountain like a guy yeah, the local you're like, <laughs> yeah you're like yeah. i never would have known to go there was trees here with this great powder stashes or i never would have known to you know to mm-hmm. go over here so I guess it's almost like, yeah, it's finding like your, uh, your Yoda, your cheese Yoda. You got to find your Got cheese. you. you definitely got to keep trying them all. There's also used- this, um, so there's this, they're a New Jersey based company. I'm not sure exactly where in New Jersey, but they make chocolate covered quinoa snacks. So they puff the quinoa and then cover them. And there's like chocolate and sea salt, chocolate and raspberry, like all of these different combinations of flavors. They sell them in single serve packages. And I don't understand why, because no person could ever sit down and just have one of them, but it's called uh, undercover quinoa. And it is, oh, it is absolutely phenomenal. I want to give boxes. If I could dream of like one partnership that we could have with Charcuterie, it would be with that quinoa. Have you harassed them yet? I've tried. And then nobody, nobody's over here answering me. Apparently the, I don't think that they're super active on social media. So I have to find an in another way. Well, you know, if they are in Jersey, we know we got a guy. He can talk <laughs> to, drive down so, there. Talk to some people. He's like, why aren't you answering our friend Kara's requests? <laughs> you want to wind up in the Meadowlands? It's like, <laughs> you want some dark chocolate and quinoa sent right now. That's right. Um, how about, um, so uh, I know I used to have a friend who I used to play hockey with back in the day. He, his family was off the boat Italian. They would actually make their own prosciutto. I remember going into his basement and they would have them hanging from the ceiling and there'd be like this nice. big pile of like dripped fat. And like, they would pull one of those bad boys down and like cut it off. And you get these little perfectly thin pieces of prosciutto, like fresh. And I was like, I never liked cold cuts as a kid. I was a weird kid. I liked warm food. I didn't like anything that was cold. That was one of my first things. I was like, oh my God, like what else is there? What have I been denying myself? <laughs> Prosciutto. Like for me, a char- like a charcuterie board is, me- I measured by the meat, like the prosciutto to get some sopressade. Are there any, uh, any meat recommendations, things you, yeah. you want to see on yeah, your charcuterie so board? I, 
personally, when I do the the grocery shopping and I and I ask for the request, it's always prosciutto, sopressa, speck. Every single time. Speck, that's I love, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, those are those are huge. The smoked for those prosciutto, who, that, that's what speck is, right? It's just smoked prosciutto for the uninitiated. Yeah, <laughs> the un-Italian for the animals the that may be isn't, listening. Isn't speck German or is it Italian? Let's see. I don't know. I thought it was Italian. Because so I don't know. I One of the things, because I found, yeah, like, like Mario, you mentioned that, because I found a, a Trader Joe's, they sell this pack of prosciutto. They say it's smoked. They don't call it speck, but they call it smoked prosciutto from Germany, yeah. and it is out of this world. They so, I think it's maybe like four bucks, five bucks. Speck is typically made in South Tyrol, a province in Northeast Italy, known for its snow-cast Dolomite mountains and strong oh, German-Austrian influence. Although yeah. a close cousin to prosciutto, speck is worthy of its own distinction when it comes to cured hams. Well, we were in Austria, and there was a store called Speckstube, and they had meat chips. <laughs> they were yeah, they, they were like potato like- chips out of meat. It was amazing. <laughs> We just had our pack, like, and this was maybe like two doors down from the hotel we were staying at. Like, we just would fill our jackets with meat before we went up into the mountains <laughs> for the day, and it was amazing. You're on the lift; they have like sausage, like the um, oh my god, the Landiegers that like the the dried sausages yeah. that you kind of just keep in your pocket and just it's like chew a little on them. cigar you just take out and you're just chewing on it. <laughs> oh, so so good. Yeah, my buddy Harrison. But any time that we get on the lift. He pulls out of his pocket a white claw, a Bud Light seltzer, and a plastic baggie of bacon. And he says, does anybody want some pocket bacon? And we pass oh, around nice. the drinks on the quad, finish those by the time we get up, and then eat the bacon. Always bacon. That's cool. <laughs> bacon and white claw. I mean, that's, that's truly a, breakfast I mean, that's champions. Just a palate right there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You're good to go. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, one other thing that I found this year that, you know... I, I do. I have a little, um, he's going to be four next week, but uh three-year-old this past winter, we were skiing together at Shawnee and we would, you know, we'd ski and then we'd have our little ghetto charcuterie apres in the, in the car, in the parking lot. And the thing that we would do is we'd have that prosciutto that I mentioned from Trader Joe's, the speck actually, that probably one of those Bella, Bella Vinto cheeses that I would just break with my hands because I'm an animal. <laughs> and I found at, I think Costco or Amazon had it. Uh, Blue Diamond, they make a gourmet almond and it was like garlic, olive oil, and spices. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And those three things together were just killer. I would highly, if you, if you can find those, like they are, if you like olive oil and garlic flavor, like these, it's like, it tasted like garlic bread, but it was a healthy almond. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the Blue Diamond sea salt, like lightly sea salted ones. So, and if something with actual flavor and anything with garlic, I, I love garlic. I would eat garlic raw if it wasn't so disgusting, but I really am such a sucker for garlic. Yeah. If you can find those almonds, like, again, I found them at Costco originally. And then I went onto Amazon cause they didn't have them at Costco anymore. Cause that's how Costco is. You know, one day it's there, next day it's gone. <laughs> they make, I think four maybe varieties of their gourmet line and they got some funky stuff, but they come in this giant bag, but th- the garlic, um, olive oil, herb ones are, they are out of this world. It seriously tastes like garlic bread. Man. So I think, you know, for this upcoming season. I think know, I'm going to have to. It you got to give them a try. Be on our first ski. Perfect. That would be fantastic. <laughs> um, and 
So where is the best apres charcuterie board you have ever, like where have you enjoyed the, the, the greatest one you've ever had? We've had, we had a really good one at St. Regis um, at, in Park City a few weeks ago. I have a, a friend who was, he needed to do some content um, for the Park City Arts Council of like things to do in Park City in the summer. So he invited us all to go to the St. Regis and drink wine and eat charcuterie and get dressed up and have videos taken of us for some Twist your arm, right? materials. And I was like, I guess we'll be there. Like if, <laughs> if you truly need me. <laughs> And St. Regis does a very, very good charcuterie board uh, up at their bar. And also they have, so every St. Regis has its like own signature Bloody Mary that you can only get at that St. Regis. So I'm personally not a bloody person, but I've heard people rave about their Bloody Marys up there. They come with a little like dropper of um, Tabasco sauce. So you can like control the spiciness of you're uh, bloody, but my friend's uncle doesn't ski, came out here once on a work trip, went to the St. Regis, got a Bloody Mary, and now comes on shoulder season week-long trips and just drinks Bloody Marys at the St. Regis. <laughs> That's dedication to the game right there. <laughs> That's a man who really wow. loves <laughs> That is awesome. awesome. How about a, um, a dream location to have a uh, charcuterie ski? Oh, photo op man i'd some of my favorite ones that we took were at jackson hole with the tetons in the background and i am obsessed with the tetons and it's hard for me to imagine something better than that other than actually ski touring into the tetons and doing one in the tetons so for me that would that would probably be the dream it's just oh man i just really love the tetons i have a t- tattoo of the tetons <laughs> wow that is awesome. Wow. How about yeah, snowcat charcuterie? Charcuterie. We did at um, Powder Mountain up here, they have snowcats. So that's definitely something to yeah. consider next time we go back there. Or, nice. or heli charcuterie. That'd be kind of nice. That would be really Popping nice. Out heli, nothing around. For my 30th birthday, we'll go. On the blades of the helicopter. I'm sure that the. Oh, nice. <laughs> Hey man, you bring some of that that speck. You could pay him all. You'll be like, whatever you want to do. No problem. Hell yeah. <laughs> Cut your head off. Who cares? We're eating meats. We're eating cured meats off a helicopter. Just to half an hour window. We're not gonna. We're not gonna turn the blades on. Let's enjoy the charcuterie and then get the photo op. That's right. Then we'll go. <laughs> all right, Kara. Anything awesome. else? Uh, you want to share and where can people find you and follow you and check out your adventures? Yeah. We're at charcuterie on Instagram. We had a, uh, a large debate over whether or not to make it a charcuterie ski with an R or charcuterie ski with no R. So it's charcuterie ski with no R. Um, so come on by, give us mean comments about how I totally pee on my skis and how disgusting this is. Or <laughs> 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 <Where> some love. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys ever do your own charcuterie ski, give us a tag so we can repost it. And uh, and yeah. As long as as nobody's peeing on the ski, we're good. As long as no peeing on skis. There's no peeing on skis allowed. No peeing on skis. (laughs) Do my best. It's the only promise I can give you. I'll do my best. (laughs) Can't promise you, bro. Never had the the targets or your parents ever give you Cheerios to learn how to aim? 
No, but I now my son will now get Cheerios for targets. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> Cheap target practice. Yeah, right. Came out of it. You go. It's like the old Simpsons quote. I'm I'll I can't say I'll try, but I'll try to try. <laughs> you right, gotta watch so, them because kids love Cheerios. You don't want them going for it. And you want them to uh, pee dude, on it, not eat. He was licking the bottom of his crock yesterday. Like he's disgusting. <laughs> so he takes after his dad. So I all bets are off. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> no promises at all. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> all right, Kara, thank you so much for your time. Check her out, Charcuteski on Instagram. And uh, if we get to Park City, we will definitely look you up and we will share a delicious. Yeah, we'll finally get into highways. I know, guy. <laughs> yes. See? Oh, there, there you go, go. Mario. She knows a guy. That's what you need. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. All right, Kara, thank you so much. Right, thank you so much. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll have links to Kara's Instagram in the show notes at skibumpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We are on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untap at skibumpodcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Paradise Skis. Check them out, paradiseskis.com. Skibum 15, 15% off. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.